So many stupid people and only an hour to talk about it, Beige. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Tyra Vera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Tyra Vera. In case anybody's wondering, my co-host, Snoopy Bijou, is currently enjoying a Whimsy's Alligators. Whimsy's Alligators, the never-to-be-sponsor of Unbothered by Tyra Vera, but we still give them a shout-out, and we still put their link, our Amazon affiliates link, to them in the description box down below. Check them out if you want a healthy dog treat that cleans your dog's teeth and won't kill him. Well, hasn't killed mine in seven and a half years, but I can't give Bijou, this is something that's very important to note. Here's one of the reasons that I don't do these daily, and it's going to sound silly to you guys, but it's just 100% what it is. I decided to do the daily videos for a minute there, but I don't like to say Bijou is currently enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator unless Bijou is currently enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator. And since I was trying to do them daily and I was saying that daily, I was giving Bijou a Whimsy's Alligator daily. But what happens is if I give them to her daily, then her poop begins to get weird. And that's something I noticed a long time ago. That's the reason I give them to her every other day. If I give them to her every other day, we're fine. But if I give them to her every day, it upsets her system in a way. And I can tell that because I'm the one that has to pick up her poop because I'm a good dog owner. And so I can't do these every day. I can't do videos every day until I find another way. Which, by the way, uh, if you don't know, my whimsies currently, the whimsies that Bijou are eating, are from my friend Cindy. I don't give out Cindy's last name on any of my stuff just because I don't want any of you mooches to hit Cindy up and be like, why don't you send me some whimsies alligators or why don't you... I just, you know. And then one day I said that and Cindy commented and she was like, you're welcome, you know, said left a nice message on my YouTube and then somebody else noticed that and they were like, well, look, Cindy just called herself out. And I'm like, that's Cindy's business. If Cindy doesn't mind deflecting or not dealing with you guys and she's a grown woman she can deal with that but you know i just personally don't but i at the same time i want to thank cindy because bijou has been enjoying her whimsies alligators from the whimsies that cindy sent for christmas and so that's what it is and i like to give credit where it's due i don't know if people fully get that about me i probably was raised with a little more in the manners department than most people would assume, and that shows in different ways. And then there are certain ways that I've chosen to just toss a lot of that stuff out just because I found that people mistake kindness for weakness in some cases, and so I try not to be overly, but when I'm appreciative for things, I will express that I'm appreciative for them. I'm also learning how to manage myself better, my sobriety has given me that, which I'm not AA sober for or NA sober for anybody that's wondering what kind of program I'm working. Technically, I'm not working a program. Technically, I'm just doing my own thing and figuring out how things work for me as a human dealing with everyday life and that's going to be managing the rest of my life for the rest of my life. And so I don't feel like a program is what I need. And I don't, I never had a problem with anything to the point where I was doing it all the time. When I was younger, I used to do speed. That's very common in the gay community for a lot of people to be on, they call it party and play when it comes to sex, you know, because it's, the meth does give you a different kind of enjoyment for the sex. I guess you could say enjoyment for the sex. It's just, you go to another world and it's it's something I shouldn't say this, but it's something beautiful. <laughs> and and uh, But I just, you know, I even that is not worth the trade-off for me anymore. And I haven't done that in years and years now, which says a lot because I'm only 27, which I talk about age a bit and I joke about age. And I'll tell you guys what my thing is with age. I don't care about age in the way that it's not a secret what my age is. Uh, but it, the people that are closest to me definitely do know. 
But the thing with me and age is when it comes to age, there's a couple of things that people do. One, people will assume that you're either wiser or dumber than you are based on your age and what their age is in relation to that. So if they find out you're a year older than them, they automatically assume you're a year wiser than them. Or if you're younger, they assume you're dumber. And so I don't talk about age for that reason. I just prefer you get to know me and you gauge me off of me, the person and what you feel off my energy. So that's one thing. The other thing is people will tell you what happens to your body at certain ages. You hear that all the time. You see it on the news all the time. You hear people, COVID's a good example. People are like, this age range has these problems. This age range is this likely to have COVID be fatal. And For me, I feel like all of that is negative energy, negative thinking. People will tell you what your metabolism is supposed to do at different ages. People will tell you what your muscular development should be at certain ages. And I can tell you as a person that's passed several of the ages that people most like to call out when it comes to what your body can and can't do, my body does what I want it to do. My body does what I, my body is reflective of the amount of work that I put into it. So some days or or some periods I work out less, some periods I work out more, and my body always reflects that. When I work out the way that I'm supposed to, when I eat the way that I'm supposed to, I find my body really just responds to it the way that I need it to. So I don't like to have any of that put on me or have people assume that they're going to tell me the way my body is supposed to be working or what's supposed to be happening to me chronologically based off of my age. I just, I don't know if that sentence made sense, but let's not pretend. We all know that I'm halfway dumb and halfway smart and we all have fun with it. So just go with it. It is what it is. But... You know, I, I, and I don't care about any of that. And when I date somebody, I always tell them my age for once we're going to get like serious or whatever. But then there's that situation when it comes to me hooking up with people and stuff like that. I'm always very honest about I'm whatever age you want me to be, whatever age you want to project onto me, whatever idea you want to project onto me, I'm fine with. When it comes to Grinder, which is where I hook up the most that would be a very fair assessment, a very fair statement. Uh, Grinder is where I hook up the most, which if you're not familiar with Grinder, that's a gay hookup app and it's on your phone and it'll tell you about how far the other gays are or how close the other gays are. And that's the way that I do it on Grinder. Not for that one for no other reason than you project anything that you need to project onto me to get us to where we need to be. That's where I'm at with it. I try not to talk that much. I try not to even converse that much through messaging on Grinder. It's just the particulars. If you're into me sexually, then let's do this. As long as we're all consenting adults, there's nothing to think about as far as that goes. That's another thing that I've gotten tired of people with, and I addressed it on my video about John Weaver who is the guy from the Lincoln Project. If you haven't seen that video, check it out at some point because it tells you a lot of the way that I think about, you know, when people try to portray adults as teenagers and how I get what they're saying and that the person was 18 or the person was 19, but as long as they're over the age of 18, then they're, they're an adult. So I don't really know why people try to sensationalize things in that way. I remember I came out when I was, I think, 16 and a half was when I actually started going to gay bars and stuff like that. I don't think I told my parents until I was 17. So my official coming out wasn't until I was 17 as far as telling the family and telling everybody else. But at 16 and a half, I already had gotten a fake ID. I was already starting to go to gay bars. I was basically living as an adult in my outside life at home. I was my parents' son and their kid. Uh, But as far as me and what I was doing, the decisions I was making were adult decisions. And I know that at different points, I hooked up with people that were older than they should have been. I personally don't have a problem with that because that's the life I was living and that's the way things worked in that time. So... For me, I don't really think too much about that. There were times that I got taken advantage of. There were times that I 
maybe got in grown-up situations that I wasn't necessarily mentally ready for. Physically, I was ready for it, clearly, but mentally, I wasn't always ready for it. But that too, I also wasn't honest with everybody that I dated. You know, I would tell people that I was 22, I think was what my ID said, the fake ID I had when I first started coming out. I was, yeah, I think I was 22 or 23, according to that. And I would tell people the age on my ID. So as far as a lot of the guys that were hooking up with me up until I turned 18, then when I turned 18, then I would just tell people I was 18. But, you know, like when I was 17, I was, I was 22 because uh, I didn't want I knew that the guys that I was hooking up with wouldn't want to or there was a chance that they wouldn't want to still hang out with me if they knew my actual age and that they would possibly get in trouble for it. I was jailbait by definition, but I was living fast, you know, that's what it was. And I don't regret that part. I do. Well, I regret some of the things when I got a little bit older, but by that time I was, you know, 20. And that's when I started to regret certain things just because I let a lot more people have influence over me than actually should have. And I didn't necessarily trust the right people. And those people were well aware of my age and they would be like in their forties or older. And they would really put a lot on to me as far as what they thought I should be doing, the way that they thought I should be talking, the way that I, they thought that I should present myself. And they instilled a lot of shame in me that I didn't necessarily need. I had already grown up with enough shame over being gay. And now I had these influences that were gay that didn't necessarily have my best interest in mind. What they had in mind was what they wanted me to be. And that was for various reasons, whether they wanted to date me, whether it was because I wouldn't date them, and they thought if they broke my self-esteem far enough down that they'd have a chance. And I know that a few of them did that. I didn't realize it until I got older, and then I was like, you know, I get why it was these people treated me the way that they treated me and why it was they were trying to play these head games with me. And it was because they thought that if they lowered my defenses enough that I would just submit and date them. Too bad for them. I was cute enough that, you know, I still was going to hook up with who I was going to hook up with. Their little ugly asses were not getting it. There's not a single one of them that I can say I gave it up to that I was like, oh yeah, I actually did think that I was stupid and I didn't, whatever. I was not that bitch, you guys. When I was younger, yeah, they they really, so that's the part because like, you know, there was that part of me that was in control where I was like, I, I knew that they wanted to have sex with me, but I didn't realize that's the reason that they were playing the head games. I thought at the time, because I was young and naive to a certain degree. Yeah, I not to a certain degree. I was I was naive, you know. I came from a smaller town in, in, in Arizona. And then when I moved to Phoenix, that was when I was already, you know, um, 16, no, 15. Yeah, I think I was 15 when I moved to Phoenix. I'm terrible with years and ages and dates, all of that stuff. I've told you guys before, if for anybody that doesn't know, I have one of the most efficient brains that you can think of, which is weird because I'm a pack rat in other ways sometimes. Like I've started organizing my place and each time that I clean my place, I get better at paring down and getting rid of stuff. But my brain is just such an efficient machine when it comes to that kind of stuff. I really can't remember all of the people that I quote unquote dated in the last two years. Ever since my breakup with my ex, um, my ex-fiance that would be, I really can't remember a lot of the guys that I've dated. And I know that I've been very public with some of them and putting them on my social media and stuff like that. But I really don't remember in some cases what happened with those guys. I got asked about the Vietnamese pretty boy not too long ago, and I still cannot remember exactly why we officially stopped talking. Because there was the reason that we kind of quote unquote broke up or stopped seeing each other and that was that New Year's Eve debacle and us realizing that I can't 
I don't remember. I would have to watch one of the old episodes of Unbothered. I remember that it was on the the Christmas episode was what it was, or the New Year's episode was what it was on, because I remember that it was a right New Year's Day, and then I went home, or came home, and recorded that episode. But I can't remember exactly why we broke up that time either, or, you know, that was when we officially stopped seeing each other, but then there's when we officially stopped talking, which was a couple weeks later. And I don't want to remember that stuff because I remember the lessons from the important relationships that I've been in. Like when it comes to my ex-fiance, I remember the most important parts of where I went wrong in that situation because I feel like I can grow from those. With some of the more minor relationships in my life, I picked up little lessons along the way and those I tend to hold on to. But the other stuff I really don't hold on to because what would be the point? So my brain just gets rid of it for me. And some people would call that a bad memory, but I don't consider that a bad memory to tell you the truth. I consider it a bad memory if it's stuff that I really want to remember and I can't remember it. But when it's stuff that I'm like, a lot of that was inconsequential and those were just ways to pass the time, which may sound like an insensitive way to think about people, but I don't really know that... I want to go based off of what anybody else thinks is like callous or uh, I don't think that any of the people that I was seeing are thinking about me now. And if they are, they haven't let me know. I haven't gotten any stray phone calls or text messages from anybody that I was seeing during the last two years. So why am I going to try to remember exactly what happened? Somebody else asked me about the guy that I wasn't dating, if you guys remember. I remember the nicknames that I give to these guys, and I usually will remember why I gave them nicknames. Like the Vietnamese pretty boy, it was because he would send me those filtered, which my friend, my best friend, Renee, the East Coast bestie, loves to tell me that he wasn't as cute without the filters as he was with the filters. But I don't care. I'm so, In that way, I'm such a fucking guy. If you visually stimulate me, I don't care if it's a filter. I don't care what it is. I grew up on old school Hollywood. So the way I see it is if you look good in pictures, if you look good in the media that you sent me, then I, that's the way I think of you. I think of you as that beautiful thing, whether it was filtered or not. And so, you know, that's... And like that part, I don't regret about any situation. I, I've picked guys that have really pushed my buttons when it comes to the, um, the visual part. So I, <laughs> I like that part, you know, I, I like that when I think about the guys that I've hooked up with or dated or not dated in the last year and a half, they've, They've done it for me in whatever way they've been doing it for me. Some people asked to see pictures of the guy that I wasn't dating. And then I showed them. And he hates the way he looks in pictures. But with him, it wasn't about pictures because he wasn't sending me stuff like that. With him, it was about the sexual energy that we had when we were together. And so for me, that's what that relationship was about. It was about the way that he just had this way of turning me on in the way that he conducted himself and the way that he moved. And so I was very into him in that way. I don't regret any of those situations, but at the same time, I don't linger in any of them either. I don't think about those people. The beast was beautiful. Uh, he was older though. He was 53. I think he was 50. Yeah. I think he was 53, but I remember him like just, doing it for me. And then he started to gain weight a little bit and his body wasn't what it was when we first got together. And that's another problem that I've run, run into with some of these guys lately. Like there's one guy that I've been hooking up with regularly, which I joked about him on Twitter, but he's not on my social media. None of these, none of these guys have been involved in my social media other than when I post them. And I'm not on any of their social media either. Like I 
don't I didn't friend any of them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter if they have Twitters. I don't even know what social media platforms they were on. Vietnamese Pretty Boy I know was on Snapchat because he that's where we would chat was on Snapchat. But I never used my Snapchat. Even now I don't use my Snapchat. So when I was with him, I liked that that we would interact on Snapchat a bit because he was the only one that I was chatting with on Snapchat at that time. So for me, it might as well have just been texting because he would just message me on Snapchat or send me what he was doing throughout the night on Snapchat. But I, you know, I wasn't really on Snapchat like that. So I didn't really care about that. But I, um, I, I, I like, that part of my life, even though I'm very honest about the fact I finally fully deleted my ex-fiancés. Um, I, I deleted our enchi- entire chat log from my phone so that I wouldn't have his number there. And then I deleted him as a contact. For a while, I had him saved under a, you know, leave this situation alone was what it said on you know, where his name would be. But that still gave me too much access to if I ever wanted to hit him up. And so I decided that it was time to fully move on from that. The next step is to take all of our pictures out of um, out of my phone. But I do plan to put those on a thumb drive, you know, our pictures from when we were together and that kind of stuff. Because that one was a significant relationship for me. I know that some people don't necessarily think that I take those things seriously when it comes to the more, I guess, significant relationships in my life because I've been engaged, I think, four times in my life. But, you know, most, like, with him, that was the first time I've ever actually asked somebody to marry me and bought them a ring of any real significance. There was another guy that was I uh, that I was engaged to in 2013. He asked me to marry him after we had been together for like two or three weeks, which I should never listen to anybody at that point because I'm going to tell you guys one thing that's a problem that I have. I am a person that will really woo you. Like when... Anybody has ever seen me with one of the guys that I'm with or if you ever paid attention to when I would do lives with any of the guys that I was dating or that kind of stuff like Facebook Live or whatever like that, you'll notice that they are definitely in love with me. And there's a reason for that. I'm very good at making people fall in love with me. People will really, really fall in love with me because I have this way of making them feel like they're the only person in the world. And I'm very good at that. And it's not something I do for any other reason, but that's the way that I feel about them when we first get together. When we first get together, I'm so in love with these people and I will make them feel like they're the only person that exists. They're the only person on this earth as far as I go. And that's really the way I see them. And then it's not even about seeing their flaws. It's it's it really is about the first time that I feel like somebody has lied to me. I don't feel like that anymore. It just, it dissolves pretty quickly. And I'll lie to myself and I'll try to make it seem like It's not going to happen, but I can always feel it happening. And the song that I think of most for me when it comes to relationships, not from my relationships, because, you know, with each one of my relationships, we had certain songs, you know, they're like, I won't run you guys through them, but there were songs that I, but I love pop music. So once that song's not popular anymore, it's done. And so is my relationship. (laughs) Which sounds bad, but I'm keeping it real with you guys 100%. There's no way for me to work this process. There's no way to work my own personal program other than to tell you guys, which when I'm telling you guys, you have to remember, I'm also telling myself at the same time. So these are things that I know that I need to work on. So yeah, I have a good sense of humor about them, and I'm not going to pretend that 
I hated anything that I went through in a lot of these situations because there was more good than bad in every situation that I've been through. But to say that I want to continue to repeat these patterns for the rest of my life, I just had a birthday pass. So I really do think in terms of like, what do you want to be better about? What do you want to improve on with yourself? And I'm not one of those people that feels like, oh, I've got all these problems and I've just this flawed, flawed person. I'm a very flawed person. I will admit that. But I don't see that as a particularly bad thing. I see that as me being a person that's been through a lot of stuff. Because even though I laugh at things and I have a good time with them, I definitely have been through a lot of stuff. But I also know exactly, for the most part, I know exactly. There's some things that are still on the subconscious level that have played out where I'm figuring those out. And that's a part of why my sobriety is important is because I feel like the longer I stay sober, the more I get to know myself and the more I begin to understand my thinking and the more efficient I become at like dealing with these things and just being a better person altogether. But um, what I was getting at is, okay, so there was that guy that I was engaged to. That was in, what, like 2013? And there was also, I had just had the silicone removed from my face and I was felt like a monster. And so, you know, him being the first person to see past that, which I don't even think he really noticed that was a thing, but he was the first person to really deal with me after that situation. And I, he was very cute and he was very sweet. And there was a lot that was right with him. And I was not right at that time, but I liked what he did for me and mentally, you know, financially it wasn't, I, I don't, I'm not that guy either. Like, yeah, I have dated people that have done really well at different points in my life. You know, I've definitely had some guys that I was with where it was money. And we can get into that because, you know, my first boyfriend ever, that was a lot of why we would get back together and what was happening. But he had kind of forced that dynamic on me because I hadn't been thinking that way. And the worst part about that situation, and I'm glad I learned that lesson young, was I worked for him. So, you know, after we got together, he was like, you should come work for me. I don't want you working a regular job, which I didn't realize was a way of him being possessive and controlling and having more control over my life than he should have. But I didn't realize that. And he was young and cute. He wasn't that much older than me. That was my first real boyfriend. And I, I think I got together with him when I was 18. And so, you know, it, and that was like, him being so jealous of me or so jealous over me that he didn't want me to work a regular job because he thought I might meet somebody else. And I was fucked up enough in the head that I thought that's romantic that he cares about me so much that he doesn't want anybody else around me. A little did I know, but you know, this is what I went through when I was younger and he would buy me stuff all the time to apologize for shitty things he did. And I plan to talk about that on a video at some point, but I will tell you guys, there was a Gucci watch for every time that he really fucked up. And then the most unhealthy, toxic thing that I think happened in that relationship is there was one time that he hit me with a car that was halfway on accident, but also due to his temper. Because what happened was he hit me with the car door, and he had this, there was this Volkswagen Rabbit that was like his second car, because he, he drove a BMW, but and then he also had a Z71 off-road which is the big Chevy, and that was, like, brand, brand new. And then the BMW was really nice. And then he had this little Volkswagen Rabbit that he had bought when he was a lot younger. And I was 18, he was 22 or 23, and he had just, you know, done really well with... His parents gave him money, obviously, to start up a business, and then he started that business, and it took off. And he was smart in that way. He ended up being a waste, but, you know, like, even that way. But... I guess I shouldn't be so 
but it's true. Anyway, um, so when we were together, he had this Volkswagen Rabbit that he had bought when he was younger, and he really loved that car. And it was a cute little rabbit. If you remember, a lot of people liked the Volkswagen Rabbit. It was a cute car. But there was a time, because this car had this problem where the door, the passenger side door, would not always close. And so one time, he got really mad at me, and he was yelling at me, and I got out of the car, and we were stopped, you know, we were parked arguing, and I got out of the car, and then he told me to get back in the car, and I didn't want to get back in the car, I was like, I'm going to get out of here, and so he, like, went to back out really fast, and I was still standing right next to the car, and the door hadn't closed properly because I told you it had problems with the latch or whatever, so it would fly open. So the door flew open, and he was backing up at a pretty high rate of speed because, you know, he was pissed off, and the door flew open, and it hit me. And so I got all scraped up and stuff, road rash, because, you know, the door hit me and I went flying. And luckily, the door didn't hit me further. or The car didn't drag me. And he saw that happen and he just kept driving. You know, he peeled out and left with me. And I, I remember I called my uncles and my uncles came and picked me up. My uncles and my aunt came and picked me up and uh, they were not happy at all. Uh, but, you know, I didn't want them to do anything to him because my uncles at that time were a lot more, they were roughnecks. And so they wanted to fuck him up was what they wanted to do. And I was like, don't do that. And I was, you know, upset because we broke up again. And now not only did I not have my boyfriend, I had also lost my job too because obviously if we're not together, then I'm not going to be working at his business anymore, so, it, you know, but the sick part about that situation, and this is where my getting so used to that worked out, or, like, you know, comes into play, was that the way that he got me back was he promised to give me that car, so he hit me with the car, and then he promised to give it to me, and I was like... Well, I guess. <laughs> no. And I never got the fucking car anyway. He never actually put it in my name or whatever. But uh, I, didn't, I don't know why. I, I think I thought it was romantic at the time, all of it. You know, even the most toxic parts of it I thought were romantic, which is a good part of why I don't really care about Evan Rachel Wood's story, which if you're not familiar with who she is, she was engaged to Marilyn Manson. And I was going to do a video about her, but I might just talk about it here and burn that energy right now. I don't really feel bad for her just because I feel like when I went through my thing with that guy, and, you know, I suppose I could try to make his life terrible now. But from what I understand, his life's pretty terrible anyway. I haven't talked to him in years, but I know he still talks about me because I have friends in Phoenix that will be like, oh, yeah, your ex was talking about you. And I'm like, I haven't talked to him in years and years. So I don't even know why I'm on his mind like that. Like, the only reason I'm talking about him is because I'm trying to tell you guys what it is I've gone through relationship-wise throughout my life and where it is I'm growing from and where it is I've grown from and some of the mistakes that I've made and stuff like that. But I wouldn't say his name and I wouldn't, I don't talk a talk about him to my friends that know him or anything like that because it for me it's nothing there anymore you know there's there's no I don't regret breaking up with him I don't regret being with him I don't feel no part of me feels like he was my first love and I'll never get over him he was the first guy that I was actually in a relationship with and I was very much in love with him and it wasn't just about the material things he did for me but that part like I said obviously did have some sort of appeal to me because when we would break up I'd be like you know load up the truck and it really would be a truckload of just shit just clothes and he bought me a really nice stereo and you know all of those are my parting gifts when we would break up and there were enough breakups in that relationship where it was just like, just buy a truck already because we just keep moving my shit all the time. But, you know, 
So anyway, so my point is, like, um, I know that people might... I was engaged to him, obviously. You know, that's that's the first guy that I was ever engaged to. And then there was the one from right after I had the silicone removed from my face. And then there was the only one that mattered as far as I went, which was the one that I... Um, moved here to Las Vegas with. And I know that I messed up in a lot of ways in that relationship, but sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit too hard on myself for that one because, yeah, I was messing up, but at the same time, I was really just trying to do everything that I needed to do. And at that time, I was trying to stay sober, but it wasn't about trying to stay sober. It was because I didn't want to... it was because I didn't want to smoke cigarettes and I had quit smoking cigarettes and I knew if I drank or smoked weed that I would want to smoke cigarettes. And now I've just accepted that I'm a cigarette smoker and then some people would tell me, you know, that that's unhealthy or whatever. But you pick your poison, you know, and that's really where I'm at with that. I accept that I'm a smoker. I enjoy smoking cigarettes. It is what it is. It's not something I want to change about myself. It's not something I want to work on. If God ever decides that it's time for me to quit smoking, I'll just naturally not feel like smoking and I won't feel like I have to white knuckle it. So that's where I am on the smoking. When people try to talk to me about my smoking, I'm like, no, I'm comfortable with that part of myself. And the people that know me, the only people that would have enough access to me to be able to say something like that would be people that already are smart enough to know not to talk to me about my smoking because it's just not something we're going to do. I'm a grown man. I decide when and what I'm going to do and what's most important in my life. And so I don't care about anybody's opinions on that stuff. I'm just like, yeah. And I recently had to drop a friend because of that situation, not smoking cigarettes, but just trying to tell me how to conduct myself. And it was like, I never asked you for any advice. I don't care what you think of anything. I don't even look at you as a particularly good advisor. There are people that I go to because I'm not thinking that I'm running the show. I do have certain friends. I mean, like, I definitely am running the show when it comes to me. But as far as, like, I'm not thinking that I'm above taking advice or being counseled by friends of mine. And you'd be surprised at the level and the ages of the people that I'll ask for guidance from sometimes. Because I realize that sometimes a person may be younger than me. And this goes back to the age thing, you know, and why I don't regard it. Because even for me, like I know my friends' ages or most of them, I know their ages and stuff like that. But it doesn't really play in for me. Because like I said, this is why I avoid that whole situation. Because I am a person that is aware enough to be able to look past that and still see that a person can be younger than me and at the same time be wiser in a particular area or more knowledgeable about a certain thing. And so there are friends that I'll go to and it would surprise people like which ones it would be. And that I'll talk to about certain things and I'll ask, what do you think of this thing that I said? Or what do you think of this particular situation that I was in? But there are certain situations where I don't feel like I need anybody's help. Like when I did that whole video about Shang and that situation with Shang and Black Pedro and their podcast And that was one of the things that this person tried to address with me. And my feeling was, I don't care what you or anybody else thinks about that situation. Like, that was me truly standing up for myself in a situation where I was being disrespected. And the reason that I say I was being disrespected is because, like I said on that video... I had asked if there was a format and they had tried to blindside me and the way that they did it was even putting words in my mouth and there's just a point where you have to stand up for yourself, especially if you're even a semi-public person because I'm not pretending to be the most famous guy in the world, but there are definitely, definitely people that know me and know of me and know what I do and I realize that in certain ways, my words do carry weight. So, and... Anybody that knows me knows that I have aspirations above where I'm at right now. So these things that may seem very inconsequential at the moment to a lot of people, I realize could have repercussions. I hate Renee. 
um, but they could have repercussions in the future. So in certain aspects, I feel like I don't care when I say certain things. But when it comes to people putting words into my mouth and me one day possibly having to defend somebody else's words that have been put into my mouth that I didn't stand up to for that that's something that I don't want to have to deal with in the future. So I try to be very clear about these things and what it is I'll let people assign to me. Which, like I said, some people will think that I'm being nitpicky when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't really care. I don't need anybody's help in that particular arena. When it comes to um, maybe situations that I make professionally, but I don't really make a lot of those decisions without consulting other people that know more than I do. I don't, I'm not the best at reading, which is something that I've been very open about, especially when, you know, if it's reading a passage from a magazine article or something like that, or an online magazine article, then I'm all right with that. But you guys see, I stumble even through that when I have to do it aloud. But you you know, when it comes to like reading contracts and stuff like that, I have a friend that I send everything to and then he is, he's a lawyer. Well, works for a really, a really big lawyer, which one day we'll talk about that. Interesting guy to meet, but the, the lawyer guy, but very, very big lawyer. Um, and he, um, <laughs> that's an interesting, no, 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 not right now. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, <laughs> that guy uh, looks at everything for me and he'll call me up and he'll explain everything to me. And one of the most important things you guys have to know about contracts is that he told me one of the first contracts he ever read, he was like, the most important thing when it comes to reading contracts is you always read them from the back first because the front is going to be all the warm, fuzzy stuff. And then the back is where all the real stuff is. He was like, so you always read them backwards. And then so he'll go through these contracts with me back to front instead of front to back. And so he'll explain to me, this section basically says this. He'll write notes in the side. He'll send it to me. He'll, fa he'll uh, not fax. We haven't faxed in forever. He'll, um, you know, email me, scanned in so that it, it, I see the notes on the side and I can ask him questions and that kind of stuff. And he's really good at doing that for me. But, you know, I, when it comes to that stuff, I try to, always have somebody that can help me out and counsel me a little bit. But, and then when it comes to like the interpersonal parts, a lot of what people don't get, and I said this before too, but nobody seems to hear it, is I don't have problems usually in actual professional situations. The places that I have problems are usually on the open mic level, which I shouldn't even be at open mics according to a lot of the other comics that are at my quote unquote level. But I like to go to open mics so that I can work on new material and because I think there are benefits to being in open mics. So I will sometimes get into little skirmishes on the open mic level, but those don't matter. Nobody has ever come to me. No booker, no person that's involved in the actual industry in any way has ever come to me and been like, I heard you got into it with this open mic or we're going to have to talk about that. That doesn't happen. So... I don't know why these people think I would need their help when it comes to what it is I'm saying and what it is I'm doing. Have I ever got into it with anybody in a professional situation? Yeah, when they haven't tried to pay me or when they've tried to do something that was shady then, but I don't regret those either. There's some of them that I've chosen to handle just me and that person and not mention them in a public forum at all, but that's a part of being professional. There's a lot of those where really it would make them look bad if I were to air it out, but also you would be known as the person that decided to air that out. And one of the main lessons that I've learned in my life and my career that's just taken me too long to actually fully get it and wrap my head around it and come to terms with it and just keep my mouth shut is I've learned that the rules for other people aren't the same as the rules for me. And 
when it comes to even what I can get away with saying on stage or what it is I can get away with saying on my podcast or on my videos isn't the same as what a lot of people would get fried for. And that's because I'm very willing to be open about the fact that I say these things because of this particular bit of experience. Like when it comes to domestic violence situations and that kind of stuff. I don't mind talking about my feelings on those things and I won't listen to anybody tell me that I'm victim blaming because in a lot of those situations, in case you can't tell from the story that I just told about the first guy I ever dated, which I have a few other relationships that were very toxic and involved domestic violence to different degrees and I've been very honest about that too. I got in a pattern at a point where I was the aggressor in some of these situations that I was in, you know, so I really feel like because I'm willing to give up so much of my personal life to tell these stories and to say why it is I say the things that I say, and I'm not ever looking to justify anything because I don't feel like I have to justify anything. I feel like I'm just a person saying, this is my experience, this is my life, and these are the things I've noticed. And for me, that seems like a better way to help people than the coddling that happens right now and the accusing everything of victim blaming. Because sometimes the only victim, the only person you're a real victim of is your own stupidity, your own bad decisions, and you're not being a good enough friend to yourself. That's one thing I can tell you as a person that's been in a lot of these situations is that when it comes down to it, even though I don't want to blame the victim, which would be me in these situations, the real problem, the real, what am I trying to say here? Um, I know what I'm trying to say. I'm just looking for the right word to say it. But the real, not perpetrator. I know some of you are at home right now just like, you're trying to say, um, I know, you know, and you're trying to will it to me right now, but yeah, the, the, just the real problem in the situation was me. It was me not standing up for myself. It was me not looking out for myself. Like I should have, it was me being dazzled by things that I shouldn't have been dazzled by. It was me not wanting to see red flags. It was me wanting to pretend that things were something other than what they were because maybe the reality of the situation would have hurt me more than the physical things that were happening in the relationship or the mental things that were happening in the relationship. Having to actually accept that and go it alone at different points when I wasn't necessarily in the mood to be a loner, maybe not even in the mood would be the right word, but maybe not prepared to be alone because I had this idea when I was growing up that I was going to be with one person. I One day I posted on Facebook that, um, <laughs> that, you know, I have a lot in common with Doris Day because I was watching this documentary about Doris Day and the thing with Doris Day is she became this celebrity, but really she had always just wanted to be a wife and live a normal life, have some kids, like that's what she wanted, but life just didn't take her that way. And I said that half jokingly and I knew that a bunch of people wouldn't get it. And instead a bunch of people were like posting things like, you know, Kesarasara references and being cute like people are on social media. And I didn't get mad about it. I didn't you know, it wasn't a thing where I was like, these people don't understand. But at the same time, it was like, these people don't understand because I was really just trying to say that there was a different life that I had planned for myself than the actual life that I live. And then I, sometimes I think about that and I'm like, really, really, was that what it was? Because if I really run through my life and I run through the different situations that I've been in, every single thing that has happened to me of any significance, so let's not make it seem like every single thing, but every single thing that has happened to me of any significance, whether it be plastic surgery, whether it be bad relationships, whether it be a history in sex work, whether it be any of it, just any of it, stand-up comedy, all of it, 
on some level, I remember wishing for, if I'm being honest with myself, at different points. Like I said, including the plastic surgery, including the fucked up plastic surgery. And I really had to, like, this was one that just dawned on me. Well, it's popped in my head here and there. But I remember there was one time when I was probably about 17, you know, when I was running around hot to trot, like I told you. And I remember that I ended up in this situation where we were hanging out at this older queen's house and this older queen had clearly had work done, but it was like bad work. And I remember being intrigued by that. And I remember wondering what that person's life was like and almost wishing that on myself or thinking that there was some sort of, you know, mystique to that or some something was intriguing about that. And so even that, I can say, was something. So, you know, you can't get mad at God and you can't get mad at the universe when you get everything that you want and it doesn't turn out to be what you thought it was going to be. So... Even in that, even though on on that day, and I can tell you when I posted that thing about Doris Day, it really was coming from a little bit of a sad place for me, where I really did feel like there was a way that I wanted my life to turn out, and I there was a way. I remember one time, that was the other guy I was engaged to. That's what it was. The fourth one was the doctor. There was this doctor that I was engaged to, and I remember he had a house in Scottsdale, and he had wooed me by coming to Las Vegas. This is when I was young, and I I was like sex worker, sex worker at that point. I was fucking banking. But um, <laughs> he came and he uh, like, he had liked me since, because, you know, he was in Scottsdale and he had liked me since I was living in Phoenix. And so he came out and he was like, I'll pay you for your time. I just want to hang out with you. And so I don't remember what he paid me, but there wasn't at all for anything sexual. You know, that wasn't what we were doing. He was just paying me so that I would take the night and hang out with him instead of doing calls, which is what I usually would have been doing. And I was so like in that life that, you know, that's really what I was about. And so, and I didn't take his money because... I was, um, you know, trying to work him in any way. I took the money because it's like, this would be a night that I would be working. So if somebody's going to offer me money to hang out with them and, you know, at least cover, because by that time, I got to admit, I was already pretty jaded with men in the way that I felt like a lot of them were a waste of time. And especially guys like that, you know, like he was a doctor and he was older, obviously, and he... I just knew that there was a good chance he was going to waste my time. And so, you know, I took the money just as a way of being like, okay, well, if he wastes my time, then at least I don't, I didn't miss out on a night of work for it. So he gave me money and I um, hung out with him for the night and he took me to Cirque du Soleil. We went to see Mystere in the Treasure Island and I don't remember what else he did. Like, there, it was a full night, though. Like, we went out to dinner. But like that, I've been to a lot of nice dinners in my life. So you think I'm going to remember one over the other? Not likely. Cirque? Le Cirque in Bellagio was one I remember. But he didn't take me there. This other guy, Marty, took me there. But that's when we went to go see O. I had... There were people taking me to shows and stuff all the time. But I remember Mystere because Mystere was my first Cirque du Soleil show that I was seeing live. You know, I'd seen them on HBO or whatever. And uh, I just never would treat myself like that. You know, it would be like somebody would take me to those or take me to things like shows and stuff like that. And I also, well, you know, I had a lot of hookups because... Not hookups, sexual, that kind of way. But, I mean, hookups where people would, like, let me into things for free. I've always had that life. So, um, you know, I like getting into shows and stuff like that. So I wouldn't think to pay, you know, over $100 for a ticket to go see a Cirque du Soleil show. Uh, but he wanted to, like, woo me or whatever. And I remember at that time thinking that, you know, this was... Because he went out of his way to show me this really nice night and he just you know at the end of it we were hanging out and he was like I just wish you would come home with me I wish you would like give up this life and I know how I feel about you and I know that I want to marry you and you know and like I said we didn't know each other that well but I was young and I felt like 
you know, how you feel kind of fairy tale sometimes, you know, you feel like, yeah, maybe this is. And I was not, I didn't hate sex work. Like I didn't, I wasn't that person that was constantly miserable by it or what I, like for me, it was great in a lot of ways. I said no to a lot of stuff. And that's the other thing people don't get. Depending on how much people are attracted to you, the less you have to do when it comes to sex work. So sometimes when people are like, it's just a sad life, it's like, yeah, maybe if you're ugly um, or maybe if you're like mid-range, whatever, you know, but if you're really what you're supposed to be, and I, that's one thing I had down when I was younger. I mean, like I was young, I was Latino, I looked stereotypically Latino and in a cute way, you know, like now I know I look more Asian. It's, I didn't ask none of these doctors to make me Asian. It's just something that happened along the way, kids. My eyes have always looked Asian though, but like a lot of the other Asian features just, I don't know what happened, you know, I'm, it's a little Kim story over here in some ways. Sometimes I look at little Kim and I'm like, she probably didn't ask for that. It just kind of happened for her too. But what do I know? I don't hang out with little Kim. I think I could if I really wanted to, but I have no interest in being that hoe. Um, and I don't mean little Kim that hoe. I mean like the hoe that's fucking running around trying to fucking meet celebrities or whatever. When it happens, it'll happen. I get a feeling one day though, I'll end up hanging out with little Kim on some level. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, like, so I wasn't like miserable, but at the same time, like I said, I had always had that dream of just being married and, you know, having a kid and living, a more quote unquote normal life, you know, the picket fence life. And so I first said no. And I was like, you know, well, I was, I said I would think about it or whatever else. And then he had to leave cause he was in Vegas for, I don't know if it was business or vacation. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was just to see me. <laughs> Uh, but I don't remember exactly what the reason was. Like I said, my brain throws out a lot of things. And plus, it was, you know, a, a couple years ago, let's say. And so um, I, you know, remember I thought about it for maybe a day or two. And then I hit him up and I was like, well, you know, I thought about things. And if you're really ready for me, then, you know, I'll go ahead and get out of here. And so I packed up all my stuff. And at that time I was, you know, living light as far as, you know, um, what I had, like, cause I was living such a fast life that even though I was making really good money, I wasn't worried about having furniture or a nice apartment or anything like that. It was more about partying, nightlife. Um, and at that time I really was partying. My best friend was a speed dealer and uh, also a gay pimp, but don't think he ever pimped me. One day I'll tell the story about that too, but, uh, he tried to like, uh, and one time my friend, one of my friends, Kamika was talking to me not too long ago. This is like maybe two years ago. She was talking to me and she was like, you know, this guy, cause she was dating this guy. And she was like, this guy is the first guy that ever bought me Crystal. And I was like, the first guy that ever bought me Crystal was a gay pimp that was trying to turn me into his bottom bitch. And that was that guy that he turned out to be my best friend, you know, and would give me all the drugs I wanted. So I got to see how high you could get. And I decided that wasn't for me because believe me, when I partied, I partied. But anyway, so I was, you know, I just went ahead and packed up my stuff. It was a bunch of fucking clothes and then like stereo and that, like that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was kind of traveling light. And so I just went and moved in with him in Scottsdale and gave up the place I was living here in Las Vegas. And then we lasted like two or three weeks. He came from a good family, you know, like his, I think his dad was a doctor too. Um, but you know, his family was Midwest and they, um, like he was raised with money and like a certain amount of status in his family. And so he told his dad that he was in love with me and that he wanted to marry me. And then his dad asked a little bit about my background and he was honest enough, which I didn't care. You know, I wasn't thinking anything about it, but, um, cause I knew what my intentions were and I really was into him and I really was, you know, like, 
like, I really thought that, you know, I was going to just settle down and be that life. And, you know, I was going to be a doctor's wife, you guys. And I was planning to go back to school. Like, in those weeks, I went back and I, you know, started the paperwork to get back into school and stuff like that because I was going to live a respectable life. And, you know, I, I bought in and, you know, I was living in this house in Scottsdale and it was, you know, everything was great. Um, and then um, he told his dad about me and then his dad um, had told him that, you know, that probably, that I probably wasn't the kind of person that he would want to be with long term and that, you know, like, Basically, that I was trash, which, debatable, but <laughs> at this point, I know me, but at that point, I, I don't think I would have, um... <laughs> but who knows? Life happens the way it happens, so, you know, I tell these stories, and there are parts of me that get a little bit, you know, uh... I don't even know if hurts the right word, but just, you know, like I feel bad for young me sometimes. Cause sometimes when I think about when I was young and, and I can put myself in that mindset, that's one thing I may lose a lot of details, but I remember feelings, you know? And I, I like, sometimes I feel bad for young me. Cause I remember how dumb I was in like thinking, you know, I really did think cause he had wooed me, you know, and I, I really did think like, this is it. I'm done with this whore ass lifestyle and I'm going to be married to this guy and I'm going to be respectable, a respectable woman in society. <laughs> Someone's going to make an honest woman out of me. And, uh, and I'm glad I told this story because I told you guys, I forget things. I forgot who I was engaged to, you know, I forgot that that was the fourth guy I was engaged to. Well, technically he was the second guy I was engaged to, but, uh, you know, in number four in me trying to remember, but like he was the second guy I was ever engaged to. And I remember, you know, like really feeling like, you know, he really loves me and I loved him too. Or, you know, I was falling in love with him or that part <laughs> I was gonna wait to you know because like obviously you know um I also went through that when I was younger though like thinking that other people could love me enough that maybe I would love them back so that that's probably more why fate stepped in and fate just came in the form of his dad you know, so even that I don't really care about. And I never harbored feelings towards his dad. And I did, like, when we broke up, I was very disappointed in him. And I wasn't disappointed in him for any other reason than, you know, we had been together for a couple of weeks at that point, like I said. And I had been living with him. And he had seen everything I was doing to change my my course, you know, or to change my my path. So I felt like with him seeing everything that I was doing, that he should have known that he knew me better than what his dad was saying I was, you know, or saying that I'm going to turn out to be or that I was going to turn out to be. And, you know, um, and I wasn't looking for anything from him, you know. I wasn't... I had made enough money like you know doing what I was doing that I wasn't trying to like mooch off him or whatever I was fine in that way and then I had to you know make arrangements to go back to Las Vegas at that point because you know when he told me that he didn't want to be with me which he didn't come right out and say like he left me to figure that out in a way then that part, like I said, I don't remember exactly how that part went down. I don't remember exactly. But I remember feeling some resentment towards him in that way. And then, you know, I just went back to my life in Las Vegas and then lasted a bit longer here doing what I was doing, you know, and living that life. But, yeah. Anyway, um, the point of all this is... You know, things happen for a reason sometimes. And I feel like even though people always want to be 
protective over quote-unquote victims. Sometimes it's good to give people a different way to think and let people really try to figure out what it was in them that attracted that particular energy. And of course, this doesn't go for all circumstances, but I would say a lot, I would say most, even though some people would say that I'm wrong for saying that, I would say that I've grown a lot from really looking at myself and trying to figure out, because the world isn't going to change. The world isn't going to be any nicer. The world isn't going to be any softer. Even though we try to make it that way, it's not. People are still going to be people, and there's always going to be toxic people. There's always going to be people that don't know what they want. There's always going to be people that are going to try, try to take advantage of you. All of that is always going to be a thing. So while the world may not change, I can change myself or my thinking and be on guard and maybe work towards not attracting that same kind of energy and not repeating the same cycles over and over and over. So I don't know how this episode is going to turn out. I'm going to do minimal editing on it. The only things I'm going to edit out are parts where I've, you know, misspoken and you guys won't even notice that but I shouldn't even tell you I'm gonna edit I should be like this is just gonna be an uncut Ty Rivera well let's not get into that but you know um I I've I hope this all makes sense and you know I'm sure there's gonna be questions but there's always fucking questions when it comes to me you know um but one thing I can tell you guys is I'm just trying to be as honest with you as possible about a lot of these things because, you know, you never know how long you're going to live. And I don't say this to bum you guys out, and I don't feel like I'm going to die anytime soon. And I certainly am not going to do anything to help that process along. I've got Bijou to take care of. So anytime anybody's worried about me, me and Bijou ain't going murder-suicide. You know what I mean? Well, she may murder me, but I don't think she would suicide herself. But I definitely don't plan to murder her. So I've got this dog to take care of. So if anybody ever worries about my well-being or whether or not I'm going to be around, believe me, I'm not saying anything like that. I've got this little animal that nobody's going to be a better dad to than I am. So this is my responsibility that God has given me, and I intend to be Bijou's father. So I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you never know how long you're going to live, and I would hate to have lived the life that I've lived and to have learned the lessons that I've learned and not pass any of those along to anybody else in any other way or let anybody maybe get some kind of benefit from from that, even if maybe I didn't get the benefit from it back when it was happening. Maybe that's the point of my life. I don't know, and I don't care, and I just talk because sometimes it feels good to share. So, you know... Stay unbothered, everybody.